Hi, everyone. Happy New Year to you. It's so lovely to see you all. I just really want to welcome you if you're, you're new to church. You're just so welcome here. Um, yeah, it's, it's super to be here, super to be able to be sharing something of, from John chapter 1 today. It is an amazing passage. Um, Happy New Year, yes. But actually, for many of us, it's quite a difficult time, actually, post-holiday blues, Christmas is gone, you get back to work, you've got to sort your life out, there's all these things that you think, oh, I really should do this, and I should get on with this, and, you know, you go on a diet, gym membership, this, that, and the other. For me, I needed to sort out something really fundamental in my life, I needed to sort out my socks. They don't all fit in my sock drawers. Half of them are on, uh, uh, I don't use. And, you know, I've got so many odd socks. I mean, where do all the odd socks come from? It's one of the great mysteries of life. Um, but seriously, you know, we are conscious of the darkness in the world if we look around and, and, and if we're honest in our own lives, there's a, 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 an element of darkness. But I believe there really is hope, really is hope, Jesus is the light of the world. And as we let his light and love shine into our hearts, we can experience his promise of life and life to the full, vibrating in us and through us. So my topic today is the vision is Jesus, just like our statement, you know, continually reproducing the life of Jesus. So we begin this new series in John, as recorded, this new series in John's Gospel. He is one of the first disciples of Jesus. He is an eyewitness of Jesus. So let's read together the opening summary of his Gospel, often called a, a prologue. But it's more than just a trailer to the film, to a film. It is there in it is profound statements about Jesus that are illustrated and expanded in the rest of the book. So let's read together. John chapter 1. For various reasons, I'm not, not going to read the whole of the prologue, but let's read from verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made. Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here is hope, surely, that the light, Jesus, shines into our darkness and has not overcome it. And then I'm just going to move on to, to verse 14. The word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist who came slightly before Jesus, testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of 
his, that is Jesus' fullness. We have all received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the father has made him known. So my subject, the vision is Jesus. My first point is God is a community of love. The second is there is an invitation to join that real love. And my third point is that there is a partnership. I think the third point is fairly brief. So in John's time, the opening lines were familiar and yet quite shocking. In the beginning was God. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. See, the Greeks were familiar with this idea of the word, or in Greek, the word is logos. It, was, it meant a rational principle that governs all things. It was very much a Greek idea. But they would have been upset to think that the logos was a person. And here Jesus is said to be that. The Jews of the day also would be very familiar. In the beginning, spoke to them of the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the book of Genesis. That God created all things. But they would be shocked with the suggestion that Jesus was God, as well as God the Father. So there were shocking things. Today, science tells us that the world is very, very finely tuned. Things like gravity and the energy levels of carbon atoms are absolutely critical for the formation of planets and human life. There is something that is incredibly fine-tuned. It all has to be... The information right at the beginning of the start of the Big Bang had to be absolutely critical. It had to be incredibly precise. So scientists have rather humorously sometimes said that instead of beginning, in the beginning was the word, having said in the beginning was the bit. In other words, a bit of information was there at the beginning of the world. But the question then, of course, comes is where does that information come from? And we know that information, um, you know, is so more likely to come from intelligence. That's our everyday experience, is that if something is, if we have information, it's come from someone. So here John says at the beginning that Jesus is the word. He is the source of that information that started the whole of creation. Even the word word is information, isn't it? And I, so I love it that John calls Jesus the word, the information, the start of all things. Of course, he's more than just information. He's a person. But it's fascinating that the beginning of the world was the word. So Jesus is, reveals, Jesus reveals to us a community of love. Let's start with that one. Jesus being God. Jesus is actually God. Actually the start of everything. And we'll see that right through John's gospel. But here it says that the word was God. And verse 18 it says that no one has ever seen God but the one and only son who himself is God has made the father known. 
And at various times in the Gospels, in the John's Gospel, and we'll read that, people, the Jews of the day, started to pick up stones to stone Jesus for his blasphemy. That he could be called God. Because they were very, very fiercely of the idea that there was one God. Thomas, when he sees the resurrected Jesus, bows down and says, my Lord and my God. It seems to me that if Jesus is not God, he would have very quickly corrected people. But we don't find that. Not least correcting them for his own safety. I mean, who wants to be stoned? But surely Jesus, as the incredibly good teacher, would have made this thing really, really clear that he wasn't God. And also the disciples, they were really good Jews. They would fiercely say there was only one God. So why should they invent the idea that Jesus somehow was God? It seems to me quite clearly that he was, that's what he revealed himself to be. At John 14, it's very, very clear. Jesus says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. You know, you've seen God when you see me. So if Jesus is God, he has fully revealed God. What we need to remember is when we read some difficult bits in the Old Testament, that sometimes if that doesn't stack up with our picture of God in Jesus, then we need to ask other questions about some of the Old Testament, okay? Not that it isn't inspired, of course. So then, if Jesus is God, how can we have God the Father as well? We're talking about one God, aren't we? Yet we have two here. We have the Father and we have the Son, Jesus. How do we do with, deal with that? One of the mysteries, like my socks, perhaps. No. Um, but, you know, it is a mystery that we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have the, what Christians have called the Trinity, it is a mystery. But it's not really surprising that we can't fully understand God. But what we do know of God is that he is, in, that he is a unity. You'll see that in John's Gospel. There is a unity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see three persons of the Holy... The three persons as well. And right at the start, verse 1, it said that... The word was with God. And literally, that the word really means towards God. Jesus was towards God. And one translation has said that he was face to face with God. There is this incredible relationship between the Father and the Son. Verse 18 says that he was in the closest relationship with God. And the RSV says that, that Jesus was in the bosom of the Father commentary that I read said this it is it is as if God reached into his heart reached into his very being and plucked out his heart when he revealed Jesus isn't that beautiful that he reached into his very being plucked out his heart and there is Jesus Jesus reveals that in, reveal, in Jesus revealing God to us, we see the Trinity is full of love. For example, John 3.16, God, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his Son. There's love in the heart of the Father. Jesus is here coming full of grace and truth. The idea of grace is so similar to love. 
And in the gospel, as we go on to read it, we'll see that Jesus always had love, love, love for the outcast, the broken, the hurting to everyone. Jesus embodied love in an amazing way and finally did upon the cross. I want to suggest to you that Jesus reveals what is real. So that, because actually grace and truth, Jesus came full of grace and truth. The word truth is about revealing what is And Jesus reveals what is real. The deepest reality of our universe, or our multiverse, although there isn't much evidence for that at all, um, is not some random chemicals that just happened to be finely tuned that came out and out-popped humans. But the deepest reality is a community of love, what we call the Trinity, who out of their intelligence and wisdom have made the world. A God of love makes so much sense of life, of our humanity, of who we are. Justin Brearley, uh, um, who hosts uh, on Premier Radio an unbelievable series, brought out his latest book, brings out this contrast between us, um, a secular worldview and a worldview of God. He says this in his book. His book is called The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God, Why new atheism, that's like Richard Dawkins and people, grew old and secular thinkers are considering Christianity again. There was a beginning to turn the tide. And so he writes, for example, a lady called Jen Fulweiler, an American author, comedian and podcast host, tells the engaging story of her own adult conversion which was sparked by an existential crisis, i.e. a sense of what is real, what is meaning. Um, Growing up, Fulweiler had neither experience nor respect for Christianity, seeing religious people as gullible and deluded. I was a true atheist materialist, she says. I believed that the physical world around us that we can touch and observe is all there is. However, it was the experience of having a child that first shook Fulweiler's worldview. She describes a moment while looking at her firstborn son in which she had an an epiphany or a revelation, if you like. I looked down and thought, what is this baby? And I thought, well, from a pure atheistic materialistic perspective, he is a collection of randomly evolved chemical reactions. And I realised that if that's true, that all the love I feel for him, it is all nothing more than chemical reactions in my brain. And I looked down at him and I realised that's just not true. That's not the truth. Instead, Jen realised that the reality was that we are not just physical, but spiritual people with free will, with an ability to choose love. Because the deepest reality of the cosmos is God, is love. He is a community of love. And we know, you know, what is life? People have said, what is the essence of life? It is to be, to love and to be loved. Why is that? It's because we are made in the image of God. This triune um, community of love. I think there's nothing more beautiful than the thought of the Trinity. 
that community of love. That, that at the very essence of all the world and everything, the cosmos, is love. And that excites me for lots of different reasons. But, but one of them is that the essence of God is relationship. The essence of God is relationship. That means it's good for me because I can have a relationship with him. He likes relationship. He reaches out to every single one of us. And that, I think, is a fantastic reality. So my, the vision is Jesus. As we look at him, we realize that God is a community of love called Trinity. And then the second point is that the invitation is there's an invitation for us to join that relationship. But Jesus has made God known. Why? It's because he wants us to know that love, isn't it? Which is so fantastic. That is the part of the beauty of the community of love that we're invited to join in. And in John 17, verse 26, it, Jesus says to the Father, I have, I have made you known to them, that's Christians, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. So the love the Father has for Jesus may be in you and I. And he says, I myself may be in them. That was Jesus' prayer. That was his invitation that we might know his love. And this, lo this love surely is light in our darkness. We are not alone in some chemical world, just the absurd illusion of consciousness. But we truly are human beings and God can be with us. We don't know what the new year will bring, but I love this poem quoted on the Lectio 365. I like Minnie Louise's Haskins poem, Gate of the Year. It was famously quoted by King George at the, in his Christmas, Christmas speech at the beginning of the Second World War. I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God, I trod gladly into the night. And he led me towards the hills and the breaking of the day in the lone of the east. A similar thought is from Holman Hunt's most famous painting, Jesus, Light of the World. Many of you will be familiar with it from the Alpha course. But I recently learned a little bit more when I was reading Simon Ponsonby's book, Amazed by Jesus, where he tells some of more of the personal story behind it. The painting is based on a depiction of Jesus from John's inspired last book of the Bible, Revelation 3.20, where Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The idea of eating with someone in that culture was very much a relationship, an intimate relationship. And Hunt portrays a beautiful Jesus robed in splendor, standing outside of a door in a very tangled and messy garden. Jesus is holding a lantern, wanting to come into that, that through that door. Hunt purposely doesn't paint a handle on the door on his side, for it's only the individual on the inside that can open that door and let Jesus in. Jesus never imposes himself on people. He waits to be welcomed. The original painting hangs in Keeble College, but Hunt was upset that Keeble College were, were charging money for the people to go and see this painting. So a little bit old, when he was a bit older, he painted a much larger painting that, went, that goes into St Paul's Cathedral. And then later on, they took that painting down to clean it because it got mucky. And as they took the frame out, they saw that Holman Hunt had written a prayer at the bottom that no one had ever known. It said, forgive me, Lord Jesus, that I kept you waiting for so long. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, that I kept you waiting for so long. I wonder if we've kept Jesus waiting. He stands at the door of our hearts, waiting, desiring, passionate, for a deeper relationship. Will this be the year that we open the door more often? I don't think it's just a one-time event. But a moment-by-moment moment experience in our everyday lives. That Jesus wants to come in. God is a community of love. But he wants us to experience that. And to let him in. The word, I want to then talk about partnership. I last point, quite brief. The word became flesh, verse 14, and made his dwelling amongst us. It's mind-boggling that the God of all creation could become a man. Somebody once said it's impossible for man to become God, but it's not impossible for God to become man. It must have been the ultimate culture shock, mustn't it? From, to have gone from heaven with its sapphire-paved courts to the griminess of humanity in this world, on earth. Jesus got involved in the messiness of this world. He did it because he loves us. And right through the gospel, Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. And the first thing he does after the resurrection is go and he goes and finds these failed, weak and frightened disciples. A picture of us, of course, frightened, weak, failed. And he goes and finds them. And he says, my peace be upon you. And as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And he's saying that to us today. 2024, 
He wants us to go. Fortunately, he doesn't end there because he breathes on them the Holy Spirit and, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives the failed, weak and frightened disciples his peace, his shalom and his Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the same spirit of Jesus. It's like having Jesus' spirit in us. That begins to make it possible to go. And Jesus invites us into that partnership. The same spirit of Jesus can be in amazingly in you and I today. And that's the invitation. January 2024. For us to invite the Holy Spirit that we may go and love. The vision, I close with this, the vision is Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if we as a church that we realise that the deepest reality is that God is a community of love. And that he invites you and I into that reality. And he's standing at the door and saying, Behold, which doesn't just look at, it's, it, it's keep looking at, see, be captivated, be, be, be ju- that's just the thing you can see. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And partnership. We don't do it on our own. We do it with the breath. The breath of God's Holy Spirit. So that putting our hands. In God's hands. We can go into this new year. And shine. Our light into the world. Let's pray. Help us to see, Lord. Give us eyes to see your love. And that somehow you want to invite us into that deeper journey, deeper relationship. Lord, we feel, we know we failed. We know we're weak. We know we're frightened. Will you breathe your comfort of the Holy Spirit into us now? Where we need you deepest, would you come and touch our hearts? Amen. Amen.